Peter Mullen, good afternoon and welcome for another Tuesday. Always great to see your smiling face. And a very good topic today, we're talking about parasites. That's right, we're talking about the, the hidden, health, hidden health hazard within. Okay, and a special guest who will be joining us? Yeah, David, who we spoke to last week about um, he's an organic farmer. So he's going to be giving us a call and just carrying on a little bit from what we were talking about last week, the benefits of organic food. And we're talking about parasites. I imagine you could be in a whole bunch of trouble if you've got parasites in the body. Yeah, that's right, David. And it's something that I would see fairly common in practice, interestingly enough. Now, most people thinking living in Australia that, you know, your risk of contracting a parasite is low. And I think with parasites, most people think of, you know, nasty worms and things that you catch when and you're something in, when you're overseas yeah, in maybe in a Southeast Asia area and you've eaten something cooked uh, off the street. And yeah, absolutely. So, but what what we find is if if someone suffers from irritable bowel syndrome, uh, chronic fatigue, even pains in muscles and joints, um, then definitely a parasite could be could be part of the problem. So, how do you get a parasite? Well, we're constantly in, so constantly in contact with sources of parasites every day. Um, they usually enter the body through the mouth or the skin. Um, now, in some foreign countries, I think you can even get some parasites through the bottom of your foot. I don't mm. think that's the case in Australia. Water. Now, in Sydney a few years ago, remember there was a bit of an outbreak of a, a bug called Cryptosporidium? Yes, we heard about that one. Yeah, so that was quite, that was quite widespread. And Cryptosporidium, it, we'd class as a parasite. Um, so water, not just for travellers. Undercooked meat mm-hmm. is a big one. Um, and now, unclean or contaminated fruits and veggies. Now, again segueing from our topic last week or so on organic food um you know we really, really need to make sure that our, our fruit and veggies are clean um so again go organic or make sure that you wash your fruit and veggies well handling animals yes you know and, and, and i imagine that might be more with children because children are always playing with the pets and the animals that aren't they? well interestingly just because parasites include worms as well oftentimes as parents we worm our kids fairly regularly mm. you know some people so maybe worm not them. for the kids yeah well, no, no. Some so with the kids, so we wear them regularly. But people think once they once they've gotten past a certain age, everybody just forgets to worm themselves. Mm-hmm. And we're still cuddling pets and kissing pets for those that kiss their dogs, etc. So, as so, as adults, what would you suggest would be a good worming program for adults? Well, there's some great natural things you can do from a worming point of view. Um, things like garlic. Um, we've got a great herbal mixture that we make up mm-hmm. containing um, wormwood. Um, and there's also um, other formula that you can use to sort of treat parasites naturally. Uh, a lot of people would just go to the chemist and get a one-off worming yes. tablet. But I'm, I'm sort of a bit of a fan of if, if, if you're going to worm yourself once, you probably do need to do it three weeks later because of the life cycle of these yes. parasites yeah. as well. So, um, But, yeah, we always recommend, and again, having a healthy gut flora. You know, I always think parasites come along. They're not always the causative issue. Often the environment of the gut flora is conducive to them when they come through your system staying. So always looking at you know how to get that gut flora as healthy as possible as well as doing some sort of program. Now, Peter, what about if you ask someone and you do have a parasite, what's the chances of passing that on to other people? Oh, well, look, well, it's pretty, pretty easy to pass along. You know, things like you don't wash your hands after going to the bathroom, um, you know, and, and often, again, more through, you know, sharing food, sharing water. And um, one thing we didn't talk about was with overseas travel is the water. Yes. You know, everyone's really conscious of drinking bottled water, but then we forget we, we might have a drink when we're out that has ice mm-hmm. or we might have a salad that's been washed in the, dipped mm-hmm. in the local, you know, water bucket out yes, the back. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so it's more, more, more easily passed along for, um, 
um, through foods and stuff like that. But yeah, definitely can be passed along from person to person as well. Okay, so um, you've got to be very mindful of this. Uh, probably people that even might have a parasite might not know they've, they've got it and they are passing it along. Yeah, well, very much. Um, most people, I think, with parasites would probably know. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, one of the ones that we come across quite a bit is Giardia. Yes. That's a quite a common gut, gut parasite we class that as, and that usually causes – so you sort of see it in the patient's history. So with gut parasites, for instance, it'll be people that have uh, an episode of gut unrest, you know, it might be diarrhea, cramping, bloating, wind, that sort of thing, and then it will seem to settle down. Mm-hmm. And then three weeks or six weeks later, they'll get another bout of it. And then again, it sort of fits in with the cycle of the parasite itself. Do the parasites live well inside the gut? I think they do if yeah. they if they're there for a long time. Um, obviously, it's a good environment for them to thrive. So, um, so often in the case history, you'll pick that up. Um, where I've seen it particularly is where if people have, you know, really bad gut symptoms that just nothing else seems to help, then the answer is often a, a parasite. And um, I had one of my clients recently who's had diarrhea for a long time, and um, he he went back through his GP and found out that he did have Giardia, and he had one course of treatment through the GP for that, and he's had no gut symptoms since. So it can be where people have had gut issues for a long time, and it can mm-hmm. be as simple as um, a treatment for that that type of um. Parasite. And can we successfully rid the body of parasites? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But as I said, it's not just about um, knocking the parasite on the head. It's also about then what you're going to be doing to encouraging healthy, healthy gut flora in the meantime. And Peter, a special guest joining us on the phone right now. Hello, David. Oh, hello, Peter. Thanks for um, calling in. Not a problem. My pleasure. Now, um, we were talking last week in the segment here about the benefits of organic, um, organic fruit and vegetables. And um, you were very, very generously dropped in some um, organic blueberries here to two and you are. Um, and everybody he's been raving about them, and yummy, also, yummy, we love also, them. Also to us as well, so we really appreciate that. And um, I thought I would get you back on today and just ask you a few more questions about what what is it about organic farming that's so different to normal farming methods? Okay, well, the focus for organic farming farming is uh, really on soil health, and uh, the idea, I guess, that relates to your program is that healthy soil produces good food and and with the elements that we need. It's important to remember that what's in the soil is in our food also. So with organic farming, there's no chemicals used to actually promote the plant growth, which means fertilisers must be based on natural products and manures need to be thoroughly composted and the natural predators are encouraged. Okay. And from a from that point of view, like a, we were talking a bit on the radio or on the the phone yesterday about this, the similarities then between. So you were mentioning to me that um, organic farming is really about the quality of the soil. That's correct. Yeah. So I thought that was a great point, and then you made the analogy that it's very similar to you know having a healthy body is very much about the health of the digestive tract and the balance That's of right. bacteria in the gut. Yeah. Well, um, the. Often in conventional farming, sprays are used to treat various issues. There'll be fungicides used to treat leaf problems, um, pesticides to to treat uh, insects, and herbicides for weed control. So there's all these chemicals that are used, and that constant use of chemicals actually harms the soil, and it can break down the bacteria that's necessary in the soil to release the nutrients to the plant. Oh, wow. If the bacteria is not present, then the nutrients 
uh, are kind of bound up in the soil and not not taken up by the plant. And so the best thing to do is actually to um, compost and build up the humus in the soil for good soil health. Yep, so very much, very similar to the gut, isn't it? Like you need that good, yeah. good, good quality bacteria in your gut to get the nutrition from your food as well. That's right. So that's I, a, I was looking at your program a while back and, and the light went on for me. I, and you're talking about the gut and I'm thinking, that's just like the soil. Yeah, that's a... <laughs> That's a great great analogy, actually. And tell me, with, a, with, with blueberries, for instance, like blueberries are really one of nature's superfoods. And um, yes. really, I've been doing a bit of reading up on blueberries, and what I've come across is that they do contain the highest amount of um, natural antioxidants. Yes. Um, and one of, my, one of my good friends, he eats blueberries every day. He sort of really believes that they, they hold the key to longevity. Um, with the, with blueberries, what sort of sprays would be commonly used on in in the growing of blueberries? Yeah, well, commonly the the ones that I've listed, there'd be um, certain fungicides to deal with uh, things like rust and um, other fungal issues that can affect the plant. Um, there would be sometimes pesticides if you have things like uh, red spider or um, fruit fly can be an issue at times. Yeah, and. I think actually of the most concern is the herbicides that are used. Now we're fairly familiar with things like Roundup and Zero. They're a, they're a glyphosate pro, uh, uh, product, and I don't know whether people realise it was in the news a little while back, but the it, it has been declared as a carcinogenic substance. Yeah, I came across and, that same same information. Possibly carcinogenic to to humans, which means that it, in laboratory tests, it's actually formed tumours on rats and laboratory yeah. animals. Yeah. So it's very widespread use. Uh, people use it in their home garden without any protection. Um, but the way it works, it actually breaks down the enzymes that allow the plant to take up nutrients in the soil. Yeah. And that, when the plant dies down, these chemicals stay within the soil and then they make your soil unable to give up nutrients into your plant. Wow, so, and, and I imagine um, that, that these sorts of chemicals aren't, because I think the concept oftentimes with gardening, if you're using sprays, is you sort of think you spray it and the plant dies and that's the end of the story. But um, it's not, is it? Like these chemicals can sort of stay in the environment for a long time, particularly, as you're saying, if they're starting to affect you know, bacterial levels in the soil as well. Yeah, well, interestingly, these chemicals are banned in some countries in Europe. Yeah. And studies over there have actually found traces of glyphosate in breast milk, in human breast milk. Yeah, yeah. So I these, find that really concerning. <laughs> these chemicals, and that's probably my big bent with, um, you know, why we really want to try and encourage organic fruits and vegetables and yeah. farming as well is just to, to reduce that risk in the, of chemical exposure. Yeah, they are among the, the dirtiest of the uh, fruits. They're yeah. in the dirty daddy, okay. blueberries. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah it's... In a in a broad scale, I can understand that uh, chemicals are generally used because it's difficult to grow things on a very broad scale. Yes. Um, so organic farming tends to be much smaller scale, and um, you can create a um, a kind of ecosystem where things are working for you rather than against you. Fantastic, Dave. Well, thank you. Thank yeah. you very much for your call. Now, if anyone no wants. Problem. Anyone wants any information, we do have a bit of a blog on our website, Dave. About, All the details um, are there, yes. Yeah, so people can get on, on board and have a look under our blog section. They'll find information about organic blueberries and, 
they'll find it if they want to contact Dave, they can give them a call and find out a bit more information. So thanks very much, David. We're looking now at some of the common parasites. This is what we're going to explore. Well, well the, one of the common ones that probably everybody knows about is Giardia. Um, Cryptosporidium we talked about was um, you know, in the Sydney water supply back in 1998. Um, and both of these usually pass directly between people, but mostly affect probably young children more so. Then you have your typical, you know, roundworms, tapeworms. I actually had a um, an uncle that was in the navy, and he had a tapeworm. You know, everyone hears horror stories about tapeworms. He yeah. had a tapeworm for years, and when they finally did come across, it was quite remarkable. Um, but probably listeners don't really want to hear the gory details no. about that. Um, Blastocystis hominis. Now it's being regarded as part of our natural flora, but I find that Blastocystis is is quite a difficult parasite to treat, mm-hmm. and again, it can give you that reoccurring cycle of gut issues and it's been linked to all sorts of other conditions even hyperthyroid you know we've talked a bit about thyroid so this is a parasite in the gut that has been linked to maybe being a cause for some people with low thyroid function okay so again the effects are um far-reaching uh now we're going to have a look you've got 10 signs on how to tell if you have a parasite yeah with 10 10 10 signs or 10 10 tips or signs to sell um if you might have a parasite unexplained ibs so that's where IBS is just not responding to normal treatments or any of our treatments. Um, if you've travelled internationally and got di- traveller's diarrhoea, so you might have travelled once, got traveller's diarrhoea and just never felt well since. Uh, history of food poisoning and digestion has not been the same since. Um, insomnia, interestingly. Um, unexplained rashes, hives, rosacea. Uh, grinding of teeth in the sleep, particularly with kids, is a common one. And um, I find that's quite common with a lot of adults. Um, fatigue, exhaustion, pain or aching muscles or joints, um, never satisfied or full after meals. And a common one is diagnosed with iron deficiency because the parasites tend to take up the iron from the gut and you know leave the body lower than mm. what's ideal. Now, what to do about it? Well, the, the, the conventional testing can be a bit tricky. Like with, from a blood test point of view, one of the things that's looked for is a, there's a type of white blood cell called an eosinophil. So an elevated eosinophil count can indicate either allergy and or parasites. Um, a stool test, this is where a sample spent sent away. And um, conventional tests, unfortunately, only detect parasites or eggs. It's sort of done as a, you know, a visual observation almost. So there's nothing, it doesn't sort of pick up um, the smaller fragments or go any further. We do, um, or naturopaths recommend more comprehensive stool tests, um, particularly using what's called PCR technology. And PCR actually looks at the DNA of different parasites. So a PCR parasite test will actually tell you what parasites may right. actually be present. Yes. Um, we also, from a naturopathic point of view, do other screening as well that can give us tips or clues, our live blood, our dry blood testing. Um, and treatment, as I said, depends on the parasite, but specific natural medicines like um, garlic, uh, cloves, you know, in the right form, um, Chinese wormwood, uh, different herbs that we'd put together, powdarko in a concoction. Um, as I said, you know, in treating parasites, it often it's a long-term treatment. You know, one-off treatments for worms and parasites doesn't seem to be effective. Like, And I think that's why I always think you've got to repeat it three weeks later if you're doing the conventional approach but it's no point just treating for parasites using conventional treatments if you're not working to encourage, as Dave was talking about, mm. a healthy soil, healthy environment for the gut in the first place. Um, 
yep. plus comprehensive digestive detox and repair. So you really want to get the whole gut. Yeah. And, of course, that comes back to diet and food, what we always talk about on this program as well. Now, Peter, you have your last public forum for the year, and it's happening tonight. What topic is it on? Yeah, our last talk tonight with um, Kirsty, one of our wonderful naturopaths. Um, she's talking on genetics and genetic testing. So that'll be a great, great last talk for the evening, and there's still a few seats available if anyone would like to come along. And if we'd like more details about anything you've spoken about today to do with parasites and that, how do we find out more information? Well, we've got a, a, some good information on our website. If people go to our website, go to the blog section, as we were saying, we've got some information there about organic blueberries and some information there about um, Dave, who we spoke with today. Um, so, yeah, so our website's a great resource for, for all our listeners. And we'll catch up with you our last program for the year next Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing to think that, isn't it? It'll be the yeah, last Tuesday for the year. That's right. And um, we'll be talking about 10 tips for a healthy Christmas, so we'll have a bit of fun with that one. Well, you have a great week, and we'll catch up with you next Tuesday. All right. thanks very much, Dave. Joining us there for Health and Wellbeing, it is our naturopath, Peter Mullen, at 2NURFM.